Welcome to our debut podcast, Senior Living Straight Talk, hosted by V. As your clients prepare to make the most of retirement, they likely have questions. We can help you develop your answers. On Senior Living Straight Talk, we speak with industry experts about some of the most frequently discussed topics on seniors' minds today, from estate planning and taxes to the myriad of retirement living options in the market. Tune in to gain new ideas and creative solutions for your clients. I'm Pam Fultz, Senior Community Relations Manager with Via Bentley Village in Naples, Florida. On today's segment, we're discussing estate planning with Ed Woolman, estate planning attorney, board certified in wills, trusts, and estates by the Florida Bar, and founding partner of Woolman Gerke & Associates PA Law Firm. Welcome, Attorney Woolman, and thank you for joining the program. Thank you very much. Glad to be here, Pam. Well, let's get started. First question, when planning for the future, what documents should be included in a thorough estate plan? Regardless of where you live, what state you live in, you're going to have a series of documents, whether they're uh, several documents merged into one document or they're separated out into six separate documents. We, as trust and estate attorneys, cover the same basic documents. So here's our documents that we use. We use three medical documents, which are the HIPAA release, the living will, and the healthcare surrogate, which I'll go over in just a minute. And then we use three financial documents, a durable power of attorney, a last will and testament, and a revocable trust. So let's take them one at a time. The HIPAA release is designed to allow the medical professionals to talk to your next of kin or the people you've named in your documents to make decisions for you, whether they're medical or financial decisions. It's very difficult to make a decision about your care when we don't already know about your private medical records. Maybe you're on an antidepressant. We need to know what's in your medical records in order to make a valid and an informed decision as to your current healthcare situation. The second document is the living will. The living will states, I do not want to be kept alive by heroic means if two doctors, at least in the state of Florida, but similar in other states, if two doctors believe there's no hope of recovery and this is the day I'd like to die peacefully, please provide me with pain relieving medicine, but please do not give me food and water through a tube which will only prolong the dying process. The next medical document, the third one, is the health care surrogate. In other states, it's referred to as a health care proxy or a health care power of attorney. We call it a health care surrogate, which means somebody stepping into your shoes to make decisions that you would make if you could, but since you cannot because you're either in an accident or you have a cognitive impairment that is, that is ended up being so bad that you can't make decisions for yourself. So if you can't speak and you cannot write, then somebody else has to make medical decisions for you, whether to go to a, a facility, whether to have a nurse come to the house, whether to operate or not operate, to give informed consent. So basically, the healthcare surrogate is probably the most useful document because that's making decisions for you from now until you pass away in all of your medical decisions. Then there's three financial decisions. The first one is an extremely strong document that needs to be kept under lock and key because, at least in Florida, it's effective immediately. And that is the durable, which means lasting during your incapacity, a durable power of attorney, 
which authorizes your attorney in fact, that's what they call the agent, the attorney in fact, under the power of attorney to pay your bills, to sell your assets, to sell your home, to transfer assets out of your name into an irrevocable trust if we need to protect those assets. So the durable power of attorney is an extraordinarily important document while you're living. It stops when you stop. Then we have the last will and testament, which is just a backup because the main dispositive document, which is going to say where everything goes, is the revocable trust. We'll talk about that in a minute. The last will and testament simply is a pour over will. It pours all the assets into the revocable trust. So it's a backup. If you forget to listen to your advisor's advice and you still have assets in your individual name, then those assets need to go through probate and then they'll be poured into the revocable trust. Do not call your document a revocable trust in writing because it is not a revocable trust, it is a trust. A revocable trust is only revocable while you're living and have capacity. As soon as you lose capacity or die, whichever comes first, it becomes an irrevocable trust. So do not put in the name of your document revocable living trust. Please just put the name of the person, the client, or yourself, followed by the word trust, and put the date. Make sure you put the date. So those are the six documents, three medical and three financial. How do you ensure that your client's assets are titled properly to carry out their estate plan? Thank you. We have these beautiful documents. They've been reviewed by everybody in the country, major attorneys all over the country, and the documents are are just awesome. But the documents are only as good as the title to the assets. If you want the assets to go to the surviving spouse because you're in a long-term relationship and you have the same children, if you have children, or if you're single, then you can hold them in joint name with either your spouse or somebody else. But that means you want them to pass outside of the trust directly to that other joint tenant. If you want it to follow the language in your trust, then you must retitle the assets into the name of the trust. We give instructions at the signing meeting on exactly how to do that. It's very important that the lawyer follows through and provides these instructions. Unfortunately, we're only half the equation. I designed a seminar which states or is called It Takes Two to Tango because it's so important that you work with your advisors, your financial advisor, your accountant, and your lawyer to make sure that your assets are titled properly and that the beneficiaries on your IRA and the beneficiaries on your annuities and the beneficiary on your life insurance are properly executed. How do you ensure that your client's schedule plan of wealth distribution and estate planning documents are consistent with their current family dynamics? So the first thing you should do is make sure your client has a financial plan. Make sure they understand how long their assets are going to last and how they're going to take care of themselves. And then talk to them about how rapidly they would like to see their heirs come into the money. We use a couple different techniques. Instead of the standard in the industry, which is HEMS, like the hem on your skirt or the hem on your pants, HEMS is is an acronym that stands for health, education, maintenance, and support. 
That is the standard trust language in the country. We often combine that with what's called a unitrust, which would give your children a percentage distribution. It's sort of like providing them with a rudder on a sailboat. We want to give them direction. So if we say you get a 4% distribution each year based on the January 1 value, then they're going to get that 4% regardless. Then if they need more, they can ask for it. If they're their own trustee, they can ask themselves. If you pick a third-party trustee, they'd have to go to that person and ask for more. But by using a 4% uni trust, it provides them with a steady flow of assets. Another thing I state is that it's the goose that laid the golden eggs. We want to maintain the goose. That's the trust. But the income it pers- that it makes, the 4%, we, we don't mind them spending that because we want to keep the goose intact. So why is it important to ensure that proper estate plans are in place for your clients? You can rely on the state law and just let everything pass under the intestacy. But if you want to make sure that the assets go where you actually want them to go, and you want to make sure that when your heirs receive the assets, they don't receive a lump sum, but actually it's meted out over a period of years or their lifetime, and it protects them against divorce and lawsuits to a great degree. If that's the case, then you want to do your own estate plan and not leave it up to the state to decide where your money goes. So thinking forward, how important is it to include planning for long-term care in those estate plans? So as people are leaving my office, because I don't want to forget it, I think of two things every time their hand is on the doorknob. And those two things are, are a little bit of the salesman in me, because I want them to know that you really need to talk to the person who sells these items in order to make sure that you cover the risk of losing your assets. And those two items are long-term care insurance, or at least the long-term care strategy, and umbrella insurance, because the risk of losing your money in a car accident or some other lawsuit, for instance, if your um, person that cleans your house slips and falls and they sue you because you were negligent in the way you repaired your, your tile or your, your wood floor, and they fall down and break their head, then they have a major accident then they're going to sue you for a lot of money. We want to make sure that you have umbrella insurance to cover that risk. It's excise liability insurance. But more importantly, not more importantly, but just as importantly, we want to look at the long-term care costs. The healthcare costs nowadays are extreme. So you want to get together with your healthcare supplemental insurance provider and your long-term care salesperson. And you want to talk about what is the correct type of long-term care insurance for you. What can you afford? What makes sense? There's a lot of products now that will allow you to get all your money back. So they are either a return of premium or they have a lump sum death benefit if you don't already use it for your long-term care needs. Long-term care is essential. So we always want to talk about that before we end our estate planning conference. And that could also be, as you mentioned, to a strategy, not necessarily long-term care insurance, but that could just be looking at a strategy for making sure that you have care in the future. For example, if you move into a facility that already has the care built into it, you're going to want to understand how that fits your pocketbook and how it fits your needs. They might cover the, the most of the care, so you would want to supplement what they provide with a customized plan 
that fits your pocketbook. Thank you, Ed Woolman, estate planning attorney, for joining us today. You're very welcome. My pleasure. And thank you for listening to our debut podcast. Tune in again to gain new ideas and creative solutions for your clients on Senior Living Straight Talk, hosted by V. On Senior Living Straight Talk, we speak with industry experts about some of the most frequently discussed topics on seniors' minds today. The intent of this podcast is to educate. Views presented do not constitute advice or services. Content covered in the podcast should not be construed as legal or financial advice.